What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. You know what time it is. College football is here. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it feels like this offseason has been painfully long. I'm glad that it is back. And to ring in this college football year, if you were with us last year, you know we did our weekly college football picks, and I can't do them alone. Today, I have with me Mr. Jackson Francois. Jackson, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm so happy to be talking college football again. For um, sure. I, it's been a long off season with a lot long, of change. Long off season for you. You got some new allegiances, yeah? I do. I do. Yeah. The Red Shirt Missouri Podcast Tiger. is officially a Missouri Tigers pod for what, for what it's <laughs> worth. Um, yeah. Missouri Tigers for sure. Shout out SEC East. Um, yeah. But let's just get right into it. A um, lot of really good games. Um, if you don't hear your team and, you know, you're a top 25 team, odds are that means that you're playing a horrible team that at the time of when I was making this list had either a ridiculous spread or did not have a spread to the point where your team's probably going to win. Congrats. Um, <laughs> but we can start off with tomorrow's slate. Uh, Thursday, we have Boise State versus UCF. Um, so... So you said the spread's five and a half, right? For UCF? I have it five and a half, yes, UCF. All right, so I think this will be a sloppy game. You have two first-year head coaches in um, Avalos at, at Boise and then Gus Malzahn, who's at Auburn, is now at UCF. Um, I think that it's going to be a sloppy game. I think Boise State covers the five and a half, but UCF wins the game. I just think uh, Hank Bachmeyer and company can keep it close for – two, three quarters here, and then just hold on the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a super interesting matchup. You have Hank Bachmeyer, Boise State, plenty of talent. Same with UCF. You still have Dylan Gabriel, who I think is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Um, Really underrated, obviously, coming from a group of five program. It'll be interesting to see the UCF dynamic under Gus Malzahn, see if there are any big differences. Um, Boise State, you mentioned, is Brian Harson left in the offseason to go to Auburn. Um, I ultimately think that the talent of Dylan Gabriel is just going to take over this game. Uh, I have UCF winning, and I have them covering, winning 34-24. to 24. Um, okay. Then next Thursday game, we got Ohio State, um, two-touchdown favorite, going on the road at Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota covers. I don't think they win, but I think um... – just the circumstances for Ohio State and the way this game is being built up for Minnesota, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a close game for at least three quarters here. Um, blackout game, first game of the year. Brand new quarterback at Ohio State who as good as CJ Stroud may be, he's not Justin Fields right now. And um, you have a returning quarterback in Tanner Morgan at Minnesota, and you then you have a good running back in Ibrahim. And if the receiver plays, um, it can be they could potentially win the game, but I think as of what I looked, he's out right now. Yeah, so I think that this definitely could be a trap game for Ohio State. We've seen them struggle in some of these early season games, getting it open. Um, I think it'll be a game for about a half, but I think in the second half is really when Ohio State turns it on. Um, I think Tanner Morgan um, can keep them in the game. I think they have the rushing attack to stay in it for a half. Um, keep it close in the first, but I think ultimately CJ Stroud's going to find his footing, uh, break it open in the second half, 
Look for freshman running back Travion Henderson to get some touches towards the second half. Him and Master Teague, really good backfield. I think ultimately Ohio State is able to cover uh, 41 to 24. The Buckeyes win. I think this one has a, it's got backdoor cover written all over this. Game. Definitely, definitely. Um, I concur. Uh, then we got Friday night, number 10, North Carolina, five and a half point favorites on the road at Virginia Tech. Um, so this game, it, I see this game going two ways. It's sold out Wayne Stadium for the first time back. Um, going to be an insane atmosphere. Either the Hokies come out and lay an egg and it's a blowout or they win the game. I don't see either in between. And rain is in the forecast, but I think Sam Howell is just too good. And I think they blow out Virginia Tech, something 42 to 10, 42, 14 or something like that. It's funny you say it, you said it like you did because you said they're either winning it or they're going to get blown out. No in between. I have it kind of in between. Um, at first, I had North Carolina big because, and the reason that I'm going to end up taking North Carolina is the best player playing in this game. That's Sam Howell, um, future first round NFL pick, Heisman contender, um, transcendent talent. When you look at North Carolina at wide receiver, they're super banged up. Uh, Bo Corrales not playing. Uh, I believe it's Coffrey Brown, uh, not 100%. You can look for some other guys. They have depth that can step up, but not a lot of proven experience after, you know, they lost the, their running back duo. Uh, they lost Deami Brown. They're they lost, losing a uh, lot. Sorry. They lost the solid running backs, but they, they picked up some good ones in the transfer portal, including uh, Ty Chandler, who was at Tennessee and yeah. was like a thousand yard a year rusher in his pretty talented so I, I don't think the running game will and I think Phil Longo is pretty good offense coordinator so I don't think the running game will uh, lose any steam no I, I definitely agree on the running game but I think it'll take I think against a Virginia Tech team that's pretty sound overall at Virginia Tech I could see North Carolina being a little slow out of the gate um, trying to find some footing because that's I think first game of the year it's one of those things where they're just in general it's going to be a little sloppy and I think that I can play to Virginia Tech there at home. But in the end, um, I'm not sold on Braxton Burmeister yet. Um, I think he has he has the potential, you know, but I'm not. If you're going to make me pick between the home team with the unproven quarterback versus the best player in the game, that's Sam Howell. I'm taking Sam Howell. So I'm going to take North Carolina uh, to cover, but it'll be a good game, 31-20. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um. Then we got our Saturday slate, uh, kicking it off with number 18, Penn State, on the road at number 12, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I have them as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow, this is a, a great early season game uh, in the Big Ten. They've done a pretty good job with these. But uh, I think Penn State rebounds this year, but it's not going to happen today, and Wisconsin's going to win Um Maybe by seven. It'll be a close game, but four and a half is a small number. I think Wisconsin wins by touchdown or more. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a super good game. I think it's going to be typical kind of Big Ten game. I don't think we're going to see it go into the you know high 30s and 40s necessarily. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be an Iowa Northwestern game where it's like 10 to 7. Um, but I think that these two teams are going to keep it close really the whole way. But I think ultimately Wisconsin's going to look a lot more like their 
healthy pre-COVID outbreak team where Graham Mertz reminds the country of that he's a young, great quarterback. Um, I think maybe we can see a big run from Jalen Berger towards the end, seal the game. Uh, I think Penn State offensively, they are going to rebound, but I don't think this is the game where they necessarily show it. I think it'll be super awesome to see Noah Kane back out there. Um, but ultimately, Wisconsin, I think, is the better team. They have the better quarterback. I have them winning 27-20 to 20 in covering. Um, next one, we have a game that was originally number two Oklahoma at Tulane. Now it is Tulane at number two Oklahoma. Um, I had the spread at 26 and a half. That might have changed since uh, so, uh, I don't trust Sean Clifford very much, so um, that's why I'm running with uh, Wisconsin. Say that again? I don't trust Sean Clifford very much, so I'm. that's why I'm going with Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. Um, and so, yeah, we got the next game, Tulane at number two, Oklahoma, 26 and a half point favorite is what I had Oklahoma while that was a road game. Uh, well, with the circumstances with Tulane, they're operating out of Birmingham. They have the hurricane. I, I think it's just going to be hard for them to come out and play a football game and play it well. So uh, I, I think Oklahoma covers this. I think they're too good, they're too talented. Spencer Rattler's a stud. So I, I just think Oklahoma 55 or 10. Yeah, that's what I mean. For this, I have my notes for each of these. On Tulane versus Oklahoma, I have my only note is no problem. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma is going to hammer them. It's unfortunate the circumstances that the game had to be moved. Um, definitely super unfortunate circumstances for Tulane. Um, I saw that they were practice, they had a practice at Alabama's facilities. I thought that was kind of funny, but also the circumstances, again, not ideal. I don't think, you know, even if this game was being played at Tulane, they were fully ready to go. Oklahoma's way too good. I think they'll blow them out 55-17. This was a game that just had a spread, so it kind of seeped in between as opposed to, like, ASU versus Southern Utah. <laughs> For sure. Next, we got Fresno State on the road at number 11, Oregon. The Ducks are 20-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I think Jake Hayner's really good. Uh, I think Oregon is definitely overlooking these guys and, and prepared for Ohio State next week. And I think that Anthony Brown is not sold on him yet. He could be good, but uh, Fresno State looked really good. Jake Hayner I know is really good, so give me the – Fresno State Bulldogs to cover 20 and a half. Yeah. Um, I think the cover is definitely worth looking at. You talked about Hayner. Averaged around 330 yards passing last year. Threw for about that against UConn. Uh, the main issue is that UConn is not the Oregon Ducks. They don't have the likes of Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Noah Sewell, Michael Wright. And I think that Fresno State might score a touchdown or two, uh, but ultimately I have a hard time seeing them really be in this game, and I don't have them covering. I have Oregon. I think Anthony Brown, smooth smooth game for him. Does that mean that he's going to be incredible moving forward and he's the answer their entire leader? Maybe not, uh, but I think he'll be fine in this game. I think you got to look at his freshman wide receiver, Troy Franklin, uh, 
from the Bay He was a high four-star, five-star kind of guy. I think he could be an early game breaker. And we're looking at Oregon. They have so many veterans on that offense. Like, I don't know how C.J. Verdell is still there. Um, Some of those names, I swear, they've been there for for a decade. Um, But I think Oregon handles them pretty easily, 38 to 16. Uh, Next, we have this game that I added late because I messed up and I'm throwing Jackson the total curveball in this one. But it's number 17, Indiana on the road uh, against Iowa. Indiana, three-point underdog on the road. Wow. This has a Big Ten football written all over it. Um, it, it Michael Penix is uh, – it really comes down to Michael Penix's health. I think if Michael Penix is healthy, 100% ready to go, I'd be able to take Indiana, especially with the updated transfers that they have and the whole culture that they have. I think that culture is good enough to plug and play these talented transfers. But I'm not sure if he's 100% healthy. This is his second ACL tear in as many years. So I'm going to roll with the Hawkeyes here. I mean, I think the Hawkeyes are the safe pick. There's no question about it. Um, they're just – Iowa, you're always getting a fundamentally sound team, pretty good run game. Uh, you know, Iowa's just – Iowa is Big Ten football, and I can't deny that. Um, at home, at Kinnick, one of the best home field advantages there are in the country. But for me, and I mean, it comes down to Michael Penix's health, and maybe I'm just a sucker for the fact that I loved watching him play last year. I loved watching the story of Indiana unfold last year. But I like it. I like taking Indiana on the road here, the duo of him and Fry Fogel. I think that's the X factor because we know that Tyler Goodson is talented. We know that he can have success for Iowa. But do I know that Spencer Petras can turn it up and that that pass game can get it done late into the game. I don't, I can't say that with a healthy Michael Penix. We last year showed what he can do in the clutch. And I'm saying a lot of ifs because there's no guarantee that we're getting a healthy Michael Penix. If he is out there, he's looking slow, not getting it done. This is all Iowa. But if we get the Michael Penix that we know and love the one that first week, Indiana goes and beats Penn State. Penn State ended up not being that good last year anyway, so in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't as big as we thought. But that extended had maybe part of the ball over the goal line. Even if he didn't, just such an exciting player. Um, I'm getting carried away, but I love, love what Michael Penix does, and I am taking Indiana on the road, um, 20 to 17. Given that they're the underdogs, that would be a cover. I think – a couple impact players to look out for for Indiana is that Stephen Carr. He's a transfer from USC, and he was all-around five-star running back. That's really talented. Then they also have an Auburn transfer, Jaden Hardy, who was um, a really a big recruiting battle from Chattanooga, who should be pretty good as well. So I, I just think there's a some move. There's more talent on the Indiana roster than when you look at Indiana and you think of Indiana. You think they're not that talented, but they're they're getting there in terms of talent and. You could argue that they are more talented than Iowa. Oh, and I Indiana totally, because that's the thing. You look at this team, and the first thing you think of is they have the 
athletic, explosive quarterback. But even you look at their defense, they have Taiwan Mullen, uh, Micah McFadden. There's talent on this team. They, yeah. um, you could argue that Mullen is top 10 corner in the country. You totally. Uh, he, he, he was a first team All-American last year. Yeah. That's what at this point, Indiana, it's a matter of everyone being healthy and putting it together because they're, for what you could typically think of the talent gap between Indiana and the top teams in the B- Big Ten, they're still definitely, you're not saying that they have the talent of an Ohio State or maybe even Penn State, Wisconsin, but they have the guys to beat those teams and, and win. Oh, have 100%. success in the Big Ten. 100%. Um, so maybe it's a little bit of rooting interest in me hoping that Penix is fully healthy, but I am taking Indiana. Um, we move on to the matchup between number one, Alabama, and number 14, Miami. Miami, 18.5-point underdogs. Yeah. Uh- I think Alabama rolls. Um, you sure you have questions with Alabama, but the bigger question is De'Aaron King's health, and I've heard that he's progressing really well, but even if he's fully healthy, they're just not good enough. Um, Alabama's just better, and uh, I think Alabama wins. You see Alabama play in these neutral site games, and they kick the tail out of everybody, so I just think they roll. Yeah. Um, so for me... I think there's almost no question Alabama wins this game straight up. It just, you mentioned it, the way that they absolutely dominate. They, they haven't just won these neutral site games. They dominate. You think back to playing USC. They won, what, 52 to 6. When they played Florida State, that was a devastating for Florida State and altered their trajectory in terms of college football landscape significantly. They played Duke, killed them, played Louisville. Killed them. I mean, Duke and Louisville, not not necessarily national powers, but the point remains that Alabama dominates these games. Um, so I think there's no question they win. I think Bryce Young, it's going to be a seamless transition. I think he's going to quickly establish himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the country, as we expect. Um, I think it is going to be interesting to see how the Miami team looks, specifically that offense. Uh, Derek King, when he's fully healthy and going, he's one of the most transcendent exciting quarterbacks in college football but what's he going to do when you have guys like will anderson and that ferocious tied defense coming at him uh it's hard to say i think that uh we could see a backdoor cover i think that's actually what i'm looking at i think alabama wins this 38 24 uh miami has all their first teamers in going up against the alabama freshman by the end score a touchdown or two um but I think definitely Tide keeps rolling. I really do hope, same with how I was raving about uh, having a healthy Michael Penix. I really hope Garrett King is healthy. Because um, I think yeah, guys could, like that just make college football more fun. He could be the face of college football for sure. 100%. Those dynamic athletes at quarterback, and especially playing for the teams that they do. Miami and Indiana are very different teams, but both teams that aren't, you know, it's not, they're not the powerhouses. Yeah. Like, they're like, don't get it twisted. Justin Fields at Ohio State was awesome, incredible player, but it doesn't hit the same as those schools that are slightly that tier below, where it's like Ohio State is a really good team, kind of regardless of Justin Fields. Like, they are so stacked all around him. Ohio State, we've seen every single year, every single quarterback that they produce is an absolute stunt. 
Does that have to do with how talented those guys are? Yes, but are is their game also elevated and probably they can do without that because of the talent around them? Yes. When you have these guys for those lower tier teams, and especially, I mean, Derek King starting at Houston, going to a Miami team that just hasn't been able to find, regain its glory days. And then when you look at Penix in Indiana, he's the underdog, um, kind of leading those guys for an Indiana team that you don't expect. Those are the those are the guys, those are the players that make college football so fun because you never know what's going to happen. Like that, that Michael Penix play against Penn State, which look, I'm not here to say be the one to say if it was a touchdown or not, if he got in and if he didn't. Mm-hmm. He but might have been. Those plays, I think he did. Those are the plays that make college football great, and these are the players that really make it happen. And that's the thing about college football that I think to a lot of people that prefer the NFL or don't have the same kind of interest in college football because at the very top we're consistently seeing the same group of teams. Look, yeah. that's fair. It, it'd, be a, it'd be cool if there were more consistently – you know, 10 plus teams current, you know, consistently in the hunt. But the thing about college football that is so different than every other sport is that the middle tier teams still have value. No, not everyone's going to the college football playoff, but that's how it's designed. College basketball, 64 teams make the tournament, but in college football, six wins gets you playing for a bowl and every game still matters the same. Uh, And so those lower tier teams, those lower tier games compared to that elite status, still have value and i just think that's what makes college football so beautiful is those games yeah 100 percent. i mean um college football i like it better than the nfl because of the every single game matters and you could be six and six and playing a four and eight team but it still is super important to everyone 100 percent. i think you look at There are no story, the storylines that come from college football are just so awesome. And I think people don't understand because the highest level of when you have just four teams playing that success can be had without winning a national championship. Um, And that you can have group of five teams rise up the ranks, play super well. And that's awesome. They don't need a national championship to validate that they were a good team. You don't need, like, I think too much emphasis in sports is placed, and rightfully so, um, but on winning championships. And I think the dynamic of college football is so different than everything else that goals are different for different programs. Like, I was listening to, obviously, I mean, I'm going to go back to what I know in terms of, I'm an Arizona State fan. I was listening to a podcast um, about the season. They were talking about what everyone wants. And it's like some of the younger guys were like, we want a national title. But for yeah. a lot of teams, it's like we want to play in the Rose Bowl. We want to win the Rose we Bowl. We want to play in a bowl game. Bowl game. You want to go bowling. And that's the thing is, like, there's just no sport like college football where you can go bowling and have the pride of beating an SEC team. Like, or in beating your rival. Like, beating your rival. And that's the thing is it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it – <laughs> We're just going off on a total separate tangent about yeah. why college football is awesome, but every single aspect of college football is awesome. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, back to what we were talking about. We talked about one ranked matchup. That's Bama and Miami. Next, we have a group of five versus big 12 matchup. Number 23, 
the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns are eight-point underdogs at number 21, Texas. Um, Louisiana's good. It, this has blowout written all over it. Texas is more talented. Um, I, I just think Texas rolls here. I think the quarterback's good. I think Louisiana, Levi Lewis is a stud. Don't get me wrong. They haven't played anyone like Texas. They played Iowa State last year. They handled them. Um, that was a weird COVID year. I just think they were able to get some spring practice in. I think that um, – I just think Texas rolls here. Even though I hate Texas, I think Texas rolls. This is, I think, the first game where thematically – I guess, well, that's not true. We, we slightly disagreed on the outcome of North Carolina-Virginia Tech. This one I very much disagree because Texas – there's no doubt, like, when you read all these things, if you read, like, Bleacher Report, if you read ESPN's weekly thing on this, they all say that, obviously, if this was based on talent, recruiting stars and stuff, this has Texas by a mile. But to me, this Louisiana Lafayette team is super experienced. Realistically, they're only losing. They lose their top two running backs, which to a lot of colleges, you know, you'd think, a lot of teams, you think that that's detrimental. They have Chris Smith coming back who had, was explosive in the special teams department, um, was a great pass catcher and got plenty of looks. And they've been churning out running backs. You go back, you look at Elijah McGuire, um, and then you have Trey Ragus, Eli Mitchell. Uh, I think this Louisiana team is primed for this upset because you have a new head coach at Texas, because they're breaking in a brand new quarterback, because Louisiana Lafayette has a dynamic dual threat quarterback in Levi Lewis, because they're bringing back their top five pass catchers. I think that Bijan Robinson is going to have a super good game. I think that's one spot where Louisiana is just going to be hurt is that I think Bijan Robinson, one of the best running backs in the country gets it going week one. But to me, I think that Levi Lewis, when you break it down, when I think of criteria for upsets, beating a power five team, uh, I think uh, Levi Lewis's ability to throw the ball and run the ball, his off script playmaking, that's what puts this over the edge. And if you can catch my tune, I have Louisiana pulling off the upset. I think all of it is there for the taking. Oh um, man, Austin, Texas would be going crazy. And look, I, I, it's, it does. That's great. It sounds a little crazy based on the talent, but this was a really good Louisiana team that albeit the Iowa state game was weird last year. So I don't know if that necessarily deserves the full credit of it, but who, what they lost to coast. What was their one loss? Coastal Carolina. They lost to coastal on a field goal, but they really should have lost to Georgia Southern. They hit a 54 yard field goal to win that. They should have lost to UAB. Or no, she lost to App State. That was awful. They had some close games. Oh, that App State. The thing is, they should have beat App State, but their issue was that they and that was where the long snapper couldn't snap the ball. So you're you're not wrong. They they, it was poor. No, Billy Napier's Napier's a great coach, but I I'm not sure what he was doing in that moment, and uh, I I think Steve Sarkeesian can coach circles around him, at least on Saturday. I think I, it might be too big of a moment for the Louisiana team is what I have my concerns about too. It's fair. And I think that that can happen for sure. But I think in terms of when you look at new coach, and I think that in the long run, Steve Sarkeesian's going to get Texas back on track. Um, but I just think new coach, 
brand new quarterback. What does Hudson card do against an experienced defense? You know, cause to him, what are, I, we don't know what we're getting from him. Um, I think Bijan Robinson, his success, you know, that's fair. And I think that's, there's a reason that Texas is an eight point favorite. Um, but I just think all the pieces are there. And I, I love Levi Lewis. He fits my theme of athletic mobile quarterbacks. And I, yeah. that's what I like. That's, that's my brand. And maybe that's me uh, just loving ULL a little too much. And so, and looking at consistency of Texas dysfunction, which isn't really fair for picking a single game, like themes in the past, not necessarily fair for a new coach, new team. Uh, but I'm I'm taking the Cajuns for better or for worse. All right, yeah, I I understand it. Like, why not? Why not? I I feel like if nothing else, I want it to happen. Why not? I want you're like, look, you're a Group of Five guy. You are a group. I guess maybe now you you're you. I, I still am a Group of Five. Maybe guy. you're getting too big. You know, got I, the Missouri gig. Not a not yeah. not the same Group of Five advocate you were. But I know that you love Group of Five football. Now, I, the next one that we're picking, uh, I'll, I'll pick a group of five team for sure. Yeah, okay. So, the next one we're, we're going to, uh, Brent Brennan and San Jose State uh, are two touchdown underdogs to the Coliseum against USC. Number 15, USC. Yeah, give me a Brent Brennan here. Give me San Jose State. Uh, I just think they're more physical than USC. I think the air rate – I just don't think USC comes to play. They look at the name San Jose State, and they get a little lackadaisical. So I don't know if they win, but I think they definitely cover. Um, Nick Starkle is like a ninth-year quarterback at this point, and uh, I just I think it's pretty simple here. I think they return a bunch of super seniors. They're much better coached, um, but that's a topic for another day, and. Um, yeah, I, I think they cover. I think they come out, and I think they just punch USC in the mouth and cover. I 100% agree with cover. Um, I think that this would be, honestly, if there was one game, as much as I really like ULL and I like Levi Lewis and that, if I could pick one upset to happen, it would definitely be San Jose State beating USC. Just because SJSU is such an awesome story of how this team was really bottom of the barrel uh, in terms of their conference, not even just, you know, going up against a powerhouse, like eh, I use powerhouse loosely, a big tier team like USC um, to playing incredible last year under Brent Brennan. Uh, you have a uh, 10th year senior, Nick Starkle, uh, running back Tyler Evans. I think that they can totally stay in this game. Um, I think the backbreaker for them is Drake London who I think is just a phenomenal phenomenal player I think he's one of the best wide receivers players in the country I think he is the reason that USC is able to break it open I think he make plays uh has a game-breaking touchdown but ultimately I think San Jose State can cover even keep this a one touchdown or a one possession game uh but I have USC winning 34 to 24. For sure I, I that's still a cover though so it Still a cover. That's that's the main thing. We're looking for covers. Yeah. Um, and now this brings us to what I would call our game of the week. Um, number five, Georgia takes on number three, Clemson. Clemson, a field goal favorite. Um, I, Georgia. I JT Daniels good. I they're so unbelievably talented. I just. 
they're offensively good now. And they're the most talented team in the country. And uh, they have an Alabama recruit better than anyone else. I guess Ohio State to a degree. And Clemson consistently recruits top seven in the country. Georgia, they, I, they're just more talented. You go down this depth chart here, Zamir White, um, Kendall Milton, James Cook. All of those guys were top five players, top five running backs in their class. And I get a Rick Gilbert's not with the team, and I think Darnell Washington's out. They probably have another five-star tight end behind them. And they're so unbelievably talented. And then you have Jordan Davis in the middle. I find it hard for them to lose. And you look down their schedule here, if they beat, if they beat Clemson, and I have them beating Clemson, they could pretty easily walk into that Florida game coming off a bye undefeated. I think there's no denying the talent that Georgia has, but the thing is that's not new to this year. That's not a brand new thing. And the same thing is with that talent, you're going up against a Clemson team that is plenty talented. They don't recruit quite at the level that Georgia does necessarily, but it's right in that elite tier. And I think when you look at Clemson, you think of, you know, when you think of Clemson, you just think of one of the best teams in the country in general, but a super well-coached team on both sides of the ball, Brent Venables, Tony Elliott, obviously Dabo Sweeney. Um, and I think it's really a coin flip in terms of two super talented teams. Ultimately, I think two definitely teams that regardless of how this game ends are both top five in the country, both legitimate national title contenders. Um, and if you're going to, if I'm picking this game, I'm going off of the team that's, healthier and in better position. And right now that's Clemson. Um, no, it's going to be no Darnell Washington, I believe. No Eric Gilbert. Um, obviously no George Pickens still recovering from his torn ACL. Um, I also believe that uh, Tyke Smith not playing. Yep. And Is I that, think that's safety, right? Yes. Uh, transfer safety from, I believe, what, West Virginia? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's top 15 player in the country probably. But you still have um... – that is the one thing that scares me about the uh, Georgia secondary is that they're new, but I mean, Dion Kendrick is a stud. Um, Keely Ringo is, is number one corner in the country. It's not, I just think they're, they're better defensively. Um, like DJ Ubalangalele is, uh, I think I got that right. Is um, he's good. But Georgia's too talented. Jordan Davis takes up the whole run game inside. So I just think I think that Georgia wins and covers. I think Georgia, or uh, rather Clemson, might have a tough time running the ball. I concur. But I think it goes. It could go the exact same way. Uh, Clemson has a ridiculously talented defensive line as well. I mean, I feel like Clemson always has like feels like all of their guys are first round picks every single year. Um, but, like, you have Miles Murphy, you have Xavier Thomas, uh, you have Brian Breesey. Like, they're just in the same way that George is talented. I think Clemson has that, too, and Clemson's healthy. Um, and I'm a big believer in uh, DJ Uyunglele. Uh, I'm super excited to see Justin Ross back out there. Um, it's going to be hard to have, I think, ridiculous stats when you you mentioned all those names. Um in that secondary for Georgia, but I think big play for Justin Ross. Um, 
can really, I think him and uh, DJ, good connection, have have some big plays, and that's the difference. Um, I think I believe in JT Daniels. I think he's super talented, one of the best quarterbacks in the country in that same light. Um, but I think the big thing for Georgia is they have to take care of the ball because that's the one thing is you're not going to lose the turnover battle and beat Clemson. I think you can say the same with the it's, – it's fair logic the other way. Um, Clemson needs to take care of the ball. But ultimately, I, I think that DJ gets it done. I think Clemson's the healthier team. And in a game so close like this in terms of talent, um, you know, pass production, yeah. I just – by a general rule of thumb, I'm going with the more healthier team, uh, and I'm taking Clemson. I think it'll be a great game, 30-24. to 24. Yeah, I think that's a – it's going to be a killer football game. Yeah, that's the thing is I, I really – and you can't say this about a lot of a lot of games because it's very possible for it to turn out differently. I do not see this come, you know, being a blowout in any sort of way. I think that they're if I had to pick a specific game to bet heavily that I think it'll be a one possession game or at least within 10, is this game. Yeah. Um, then we move on to another little little break in the action of FAU versus number 13 Florida. Uh, Florida, 24 and a half point favorites, I believe. Uh, Florida, pretty, pretty easily. Um, Willie Taggart is coach at FAU, and by default, that makes it a, uh, a win for Florida. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair enough to me. I think that this should be, you know, pretty, pretty easy for Florida. Um, but I think there are a lot of things to look at. Like, I think they're going to win. I think they'll cover but let's see what Emory Jones is looking like. I think that, um, you know, Emory Jones fits into my theme of dynamic quarterbacks. I think that he's going to be look good throwing the ball, running the ball a little bit. Um, look for how Florida is going to replace uh, their pass catchers. They lose Tony uh, Pitts and co. Uh, look for Jacob Copeland, Justin Shorter, former top recruit, as well as Demarcus Bowman, the transfer from Clemson, uh, there's no doubt. Stud. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, that Florida is going to win this game, and I think it's fair to say that they're going to cover. Um, it is worth noting Florida Atlantic uh, was both the only team to score fewer than 20 points and allow fewer than 20 points, but also, you know, they did that not playing teams as talented as Florida. And I don't think that bodes well for them offensively or defensively. So Florida by 30, 40 to 10 Gators. They also uh, start Cozy Perry. So it, I didn't even, is he started? He is. Now that is interesting. Um, see if he exacts revenge on another big tier state of Florida team. That, that would be, <laughs> that would be something now that, like that would be really funny if former Miami quarterback and uh, Kosi Perry beats Florida, but it will. Yeah. So it oh, doesn't yeah. matter. Um, next we have Kent State versus number six Texas A and M. Twenty nine and a half Texas A and M. Twenty nine and a half. Yeah. Give me Kent State all day. Kent State's offense is unbelievable. Dustin Crum is a stud. Um. Yeah, I just think Kent State covers. Thirty uh, is a massive number for the way Texas A&M plays, and uh, Texas A&M 
they won't be sleeping on Kent State because of how good Kent State is. When you go look at like NCAA offenses, best ones in the country, Kent State, uh, Kent State is right there. And uh, Sean Lewis is a great offensive mind. He comes from the Bryles tree. Uh, and then Dustin Crum can get him in the right plays where I think they uh, then go win football games for sure. And I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Oh, they're not going to win, but they're, they're going to cover. Yeah. Um, I like Kent State. You said it a lot. That's what um, I think they led the country in points per game last year. Um, which, again, you kind of have to take a lot of 2020 numbers with a grain of salt considering – you know, it's often shortened, get, shortened seasons, only playing a couple of games and not having as much non-conference, interconference play. Um, but no, I think Kent State's going to put up some points. Uh, ultimately, though, 29 and a half is a big number, but I think that Texas A&M's offense is just going to gash the Kent State defense. I think you can look, Haynes King have a nice, easy day. They're not going to ask him to do too much uh, in his first start. Uh, I think the running back duo for uh, Texas A&M, led by Spiller, I think I just I think that they're going to absolutely dominate on the ground and just even as the game goes on, they're going to keep scoring and scoring on the ground. So I have Texas A&M, but you mentioned it, Kent State, legit team, Dustin Crum, legit dual threat guy. Um, I got Texas A&M though, fifty-two to twenty. Yeah, and it's going to be close, like. But I, I, yeah, I just think Kansas State can cover it. And this one is another one that's got backdoor cover written all over this game. Uh, yes. So we got LSU, UCLA, number sixteen LSU. That is, they go to the Rose Bowl. This what? What's spread like two, three? Uh, I three and a half. I have it as. All right. So we saw UCLA play. They kicked the tail out of Hawaii. Um, LSU. I, you have another mental block game here, right, with the, the Hurricane. LSU is very talented. UCLA is not as talented as LSU, but um, three is almost a pick game, and uh, I'll roll with the Bruins here. I think Chip Kelly is a better coach than Ed Orgeron. I have bought into the Dorian Thompson-Robinson hype, and uh, I will roll with the Bruins here to uh, beat LSU and – Wow, that could set Coach O's seat onto flames. Yeah. Um, you're a DTR is a Bishop Gorman guy, right? He is a Bishop Gorman Gale. Um Got it. but yeah, he's he's a stud. Charbonnet's a stud. And I I don't think LSU's assignment sound enough to I just think they'll get gashed. Um I don't think they're disciplined enough defensively. Yeah, I think that this game's definitely going to be a barn burner, a lot of, lot of points. Uh, I think prime, you look at UCLA, I think on the ground, Britton Brown, Zach Charbonnet, they had a great first week. And obviously this is even with LSU's occasional shortcomings defensively, um, I use occasional loosely. Um, but this, it's still much talented, much better than a Hawaii defense. I still I think that they're gonna go crazy on the ground though. I think you look at 250-ish plus yards between the both of them. But then on the flip side, I think that LSU is gonna get it going offensively. And I think uh one of the young players to watch in the country is Kayshawn Bout. Uh I think he's gonna be the next superstar wide receiver in college football. I watched him uh, throughout the year, had some really incredible games, and especially 
Uh, Alabama stuck it to LSU, which was awesome to see after that 2019 loss. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from that game was that Bout is an absolute stud. Stud? Stud. Um, and so I think that he's going to go ridiculous um, and continue that all season long. Might even be the best receiver. Eh, I'll leave it at one of the best wide receivers in the country, uh, as well as SEC. And I think when it yeah, comes Boutte down – is very good. Boutte is very say? good. It's Boutte. Oh, is it? Yeah. Keishon Boutte. I, I got that now. Thank you for correcting me. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, I think that UCLA is going to have a tough time in deep in the fourth quarter when they have to throw the ball. Um, you got Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley. That's a pretty tough cornerback duo to go against. Um, that's better than some NFL teams. That is – that's better than the New York Jets, I think. I think yeah, that I would take Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley over – the Jets cup less one Austin today. So it's going to be like Bryce Hall and maybe Brandon Eccles and Jason Pinnock. So yeah, it yeah. really is better than some NFL teams. Derek uh, Stingley is a top like 20 corner in the world already. Yeah. I mean, and especially against when he's not having to play against guys like uh, Devonte Smith in the sec. Um, I don't think that their receivers are going to have success against that duo. And ultimately that's the X factor for me is that I think, when we get down to those obvious pass situations, uh, it favors LSU. Um, I think DTR is going to make plays, but I don't think he's going to be able to get it done passing against that defense. So I'm going to take LSU uh, 38-34 in one of the more fun games this week. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for correcting me. I had no idea. I've never heard uh, Boutte's name pronounced. Uh, yeah, he's um... – he really torched Ole Miss last year, so that's, that that's Ole Miss a... game was ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Um, okay, so next we got a uh, matchup. This is one of the better non-top twenty-five games. We have Nevada three and a half point underdogs on the road at Berkeley against Cal. All right, um, I can never pick Reno, so uh, that makes it easy for me. Um. Reno's good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know I'm gonna pick Cal. I'm taking with my. I probably think Reno covers, but uh, I don't want to pick that. Carson Strong is a very, very good quarterback. Um, Romeo Dubo Dubs Dubs um, is a stud receiver. Uh, offensively, they're really good. Defensively, they'll struggle, but uh, Cal offense is. Not close to good, Bill Musgrave. Uh, so, I think uh, Reno wins and covers. That's the thing is, I think for I mean, you kind of said it is Carson Strong one of the better quarterbacks really in all of college football. Um, you, uh, I was about to say UNLV. <laughs> Nevada had a really good year last year. Bring back a lot of their team, and I think. You mentioned that defensively, necessarily, their defense is not their strongest suit. That's kind of a perfect matchup for a Cal team that has really been abysmal offensively. In 2019, though, I will say, when they had Garbers going, a healthy Chase Garbers, they had general success. The offense was a lot better. But last year, I mean, Cal was scoring, like, about 20 points a game. And that's yeah, what that's what, not going to get they've it done. done is they've uh, they they hired Bill Musgrave and 
they've gone from a spread system to more of a pro style system, which is 10 years outdated. So um, I, I'm not sure what the rationale behind that was, but they did beat Oregon. So, but yeah, I they think had, uh, they had major COVID issues and Garbers is back for a seventh year junior. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think in the long term, I, I, I like Cal to win some games in the Pac-12. Like, I think they'll go bowling and all that. I like – I'm a believer in Chase Garbers. Um, is Kikoa Crawford is still there, isn't he? He, he is. He is the – It uh, feels the, like a lifetime ago that he was a freshman wide receiver at Michigan. That's crazy. Um, Cal always has the defense to back it up. Um, that's kind of their bread and butter. So I don't necessarily think we're going to see – you know, this game go into the fifties kind of thing, but, um, no, it, it's going to be, if Reno wins, it's going to be a 34, 24 type game. That's what I think. It's going to be super, uh, close. I think it's going to be a lot of, for the fact that, uh, Carson strong, super good. And we, you know, could see, we expect big numbers throughout the regular season when he's playing within conference. Um, I think that this is going to be, a little bit of a battle in the trenches at times, just because that's the way Cal plays. Um, but ultimately, Carson Strong is that X factor to me, and I have Nevada winning thirty to twenty-eight. Um, sorry, Jacob Siegel, I know you're listening to this. Sorry to you, Jackson. I know you're clearly not a fan of Nevada Reno, but Carson Strong. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, he's he's really good. Yeah. That is our Saturday slate, but you know college football week one. We got even more. Uh, Sunday, we have number nine, Notre Dame, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at Florida State. Um, uh, Jack Cohn's good quarterback. Uh, Jordan Travis is, I'll put it nicely, is not Jack Cohn. Um, Mackenzie Milton, I, it's been super tight. Uh, on camp on if he's going to play or not but it's a good story regardless but he would still be limited um so i and they're just not as talented offensive line still struggling um so i think notre dame wins pretty handily here yeah i think uh when it comes down to it notre dame uh takes care of business i think you mentioned that mckenzie milton hopefully is able to play um, I, cause I think that's ultimately, that would be one of the coolest things about college football is him coming back, uh, being able to play that's that UCF team feels like a lifetime ago. And I can only imagine what it f- has felt like for him. Uh, definitely hope he gets to play and have some success, but Notre Dame, just overall better team, uh, Jack Cohn, not a superstar quarterback, but he's going to get it done for Notre Dame. And I think we can expect a monster day for Kyron Williams. And I think that defense is going to feast over uh, Florida State, who seemingly can never put together a competent offensive line. And, yeah, I definitely, yeah. Uh, definitely got Notre Dame, and I think they'll cover win by a couple touchdowns, 40 to 23 Notre Dame. Yeah, and that, sure. comes, that comes down to our last game of the week. Louisville and Ole Miss. Ole Miss nine and a half point favorites. Uh, Ole Miss is offensively is super super good. Uh, Matt Corral's a stud. Jerrion Ely's a stud. Drummond's a stud. Um, defensively, they can't get any worse. 
So um, I, I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty good this year. I think they, they could win nine games this year for sure. So uh, I'll roll with the lane train here. I can't pick against the lane train. Um, and Louisville is just not very good. Uh, Scott Satterfield he had a good first year, but it really fell apart last year. And then him flirting with South Carolina – uh, made it even worse and so I think uh, I think uh, Ole Miss rolls yeah that's what this is a matchup of two uh, similar teams in the sense that Louisville actually played better defense last year but in terms of what you expect from them it's a lot of offense not as much defense and when it comes down to the teams themselves Ole Miss is just better at it um Matt Corral gets a lot of love, deservedly so. He had a monster year last year and really some also some bizarre moments in terms of turnovers, but I think that a lot of that's going to be uh, figured out this year um, with another year under his belt. And I think Jerion Ely doesn't get as much love as he deserves. I think he's going to have a ridiculous year, super talented running back um, that'll give problems to Louisville and future SEC defenses. Uh, Louisville. I was big on him last year, and I, I'm still disappointed with how it ended, especially considering their talent on offense. They bring back Malik Cunningham uh, for his fourth season. But they don't. you're not going to see Tutu at well, Des Fitzpatrick, Javian Hawkins back on this team. And it's. I think the offense can still figure it out. They have uh, Jalen Mitchell, Jordan Watkins, hopefully filling some of those holes. But it's kind of hard to – to say that they're going to do as good a job as what Hawkins, Atwell, and Fitzpatrick did. Um, you know, so I think Louisville maybe can compete for a bowl throughout the year, but this isn't the game that they're going to be adding to their wing column. I think uh, I think Ole Miss is fine. They win by about 10, I'll say 45-34 Ole Miss. Yeah. And, yeah, that is this week's slate. Um Super good week. I mean, week one, we usually get a lot of good games. You get some of the marquee non-conference matchups, but it's really interesting this year. I feel like we have a lot of really good Big Ten games in conference. Uh, you don't have that waiting period. You know, Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, Indiana, Iowa. I, I shouldn't even just limit all four of those games like that is setting the pace for those divisions, especially um for Iowa and Wisconsin, not to, I don't want to be the one to automatically put in Ohio state winning the division, but I think more than likely Ohio state's winning that division, but you know, with that other side, you never know. Um, Wisconsin, probably the favorite going into it, but Iowa's perennially a nine, 10 win team that always has enough talent in general coaching, just built the right way to be able to win, win that division. Not, for that not Nebraska. Not Nebraska. Nebraska's not winning that division. <laughs> um, then I, on the topic of Nebraska, just because we got through this slate, um, why not ask you some questions? Obviously, you're in tune with the college football world. What's what's going to happen with Nebraska? What do you think? Uh, I think they'll struggle this year, and I there's not enough money uh, to fire Scott Frost. Twenty million dollars is a lot of money, and I. I think they won't do it to him yet. He is a native son. Um, maybe he'll be forced to, you know, change up the coaching staff, change up the quarterback. But uh, if they can get him on the NCAA stuff, they will. But if they can't, 
uh, it'll, it'll be another two years of this mediocrity. Because that's what for all of everyone saying that he's going to get fired midseason, I just don't think unless um, unless they're able to, you know, use that NCA investigation, you know, looking into the program as an out, then I don't see how they can do it midseason, let alone in general, because for, you know, Nebraska's a legit um, program in general, but I don't think that they're in a place where they can be shelling out that much money to get rid of him. And I think you mentioned um, he'll always be a Nebraska legend for what he did as a player. Um, but do, I don't like, do we think that he can actually turn it around there or do we think I, it's just I, I still hard? have a little bit of, yes, he can. Um, he's got to change up the coaching staff, but in, he really needs better offensive line. So, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we'll see. It's just, it's, it's hard to pinpoint. It's crazy. The state of college football where we have these teams like Nebraska, um, Florida state, Miami, just teams that have had these successful pasts um, be stuck in this rut of mediocrity, but um, we'll see. I mean, we got a great season coming ahead. Uh, stay tuned for next week where we'll have week two and that's uh, NFL. So you'll get the best of both worlds, everybody. Uh, week two, that's what also has usually week two is where the slate goes down. It's a lot of just cupcake games. Uh, uh, not next week. A lot of good matchups. Not next week. There's some great weeks. Oregon, Ohio State, baby. Um, super excited yeah. about that. Um, but that was this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, check out the blog, the redshirt.blog. I'll be posting these game picks, um, obviously with less analysis than Jackson and I did, but you can see my game picks on there. Uh, stay tuned for some other articles, college football related, NFL related. Um, remember to follow the Instagram at the.redshirt. I'll be posting there when, when you have new blog, new podcast. Uh, follow the Twitter at the redshirt blog. Um, Anything else? If you're listening to this, you're listening to the Red Shirt Podcast on Spotify. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in, following, listening every time. Or if you're just listening this time, thank you for listening. Um, Jackson, you have anything else to add before we go? I don't. I don't. It was fun. Thank you for joining me, Jackson. I always appreciate it. My, I, you know, I don't want to hurt any feelings, but def, I think probably the most knowledgeable college football person that I know, um, always in the know. And if you're <laughs> listening to this, you are a Missouri Tiger fan, the true Tigers of the SEC. Go for sure. Um, and yeah, so that'll just about conclude this episode of the Redshirt Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in.